When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing Playing With Science. Science. Today, we revisit the big baseball mystery that took place between 2015 and 2017 when there was an outbreak of homers. Yeah, and so, you know, Major League Baseball commissioned an independent investigation led by Professor Alan Nathan, who personally told us right here on PWS in 2018, they'd look and they found pretty much that there was no smoking gun and that they would continue to look. Yes, and astrophysicist Dr. Meredith Wills was having none of it and tore, literally tore into the balls and found what looked a lot like a firearm with smoke coming out of the barrel. Well, how about that? Yes. And also taking us inside baseball's universe will be Major League Baseball's coach, Justine Siegel, who might just know a thing or two uh, about uh, where we stand on the cusp of the new baseball season. But first, let's uh, speak to our super sleuth. Dr. Meredith Wills. Um, We did speak to Professor Alan Nathan, who led the Major League Baseball investigation last year, and he said something was happening, but they weren't able to discover it. You did. But before we get to that point, and we will, don't worry, we will, what led an astrophysicist to baseball? Oh, I love this question. Um, Let's see. I was born on opening day. I was three weeks old when I went to my first baseball game. I don't remember how old I was when I learned to keep score. I have been an official scorer in some capacity since I was about 14 and have actually been a professional official scorer. I didn't become an astrophysicist till I went to college. So the question is more the other way around. Wow. What led such a baseball fan into astrophysics? (laughs) My grandfather worked for NASA, and so it seemed like the thing to do, I guess. Nice. <laughs> but, Family tradition. You know, I, I uh, yeah, so so I, I, I came, uh, my dad's side is 
baseball. My mom's side was the scientists, and and you're bringing them you know, all it's, together. It's, at, at the at the time, it was a lot easier to to get a job in astrophysics and enjoy baseball than the other way around. It kind of still is. I mean, it's very hard to just do astrophysics research on the side for fun, uh, as opposed to <laughs> if you get you know paid by NASA to do astrophysics, you still could do baseball research. But I found a way to do baseball research and get paid for it. So all right, oh, let's, let's let's deal with Very this. Nice. What made you think you could solve Homergate? I'm calling it Homergate from now on. Oh, okay, yeah. I like it. Don't. Uh, oh, not that Homer. No, not that Homer. <laughs> <laughs> so Homergate. Um, well, uh, I guess some of this comes from, I have a, a history of, for entirely different reasons, I've gotten very good at tearing apart baseballs. And it turns out that there is actually precedent uh, going back, oh, at least to the 20s, uh, for changing the ball, changing the way that it travels. Uh, the, big, the, the best example of that is actually something Ben Lindbergh wrote up uh, where they, uh, if you've heard of the dead ball era and the live ball era, okay. Uh -huh. um, the reason that you got the transition was because it was uh, World War One, and we ran out of American wool, so we had to start importing wool from Australia uh -huh. to make the yarn for inside the baseballs. That turned out to be stringier, or excuse me, springier, and suddenly you get it becomes much easier to hit home runs. You get Babe Ruth. Um, so look at that. The idea of construction of the ball, making it travel differently, there is precedent. I thought, great, maybe I'll find something. You know, so that was sort of where it started. That's first of all brilliant of you to look to the past and see where the precedent is, uh, or see where the precedent is for the past, and then maybe use that as a clue to look into the future because, uh, you know, you deconstructed a ball, which, first of all, uh, kudos to you for that because the first inclination would be to cut a ball open and oh, yeah. take a look at the cross-section of the ball. That's the first inclination. I don't care who you are. You think, okay, let's see what's going on with this ball. Boom, let's cut it in half. Let's look at a cross-section. We'll break down the component parts and we'll see, you know, we'll take our measurements and we'll see. You, no, you were like, let's unravel the ball completely. Yeah. That, by the way, that alone, you just deserve like many, many kudos for that. I'm, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, that just shows right there that you're thinking outside of the box. With that in mind, I got to know, how long does it take to take apart a baseball? Because you didn't, you didn't do it. You, you literally took it apart. You de-seamed it and then unraveled it. How long does that take? Um, on a, if you're on a roll, it takes, oh, I don't know, maybe a one to two hours. Uh, the problem is that taking the laces apart really cuts your hands up. So you can't really do more than a couple a day. Because you just, you're, the laces are tight. Yeah. And even then you have to get, like, I've taken enough apart where I'm pretty good at detaching the seams themselves so that they don't fray. But you, you, you're literally taking a pin, sticking them under the seams and pulling them up. And if you don't do it exactly right, the seams fray and then it takes a lot longer Plus, you then lose the laces, and I should say the laces, right? Uh, you lose the laces, which you know ultimately became my most important 
data points. So it's really a good thing that I'd already gotten good at taking them apart because it meant my laces were largely intact. So where do you go to source? Because you need to source balls of a certain period. It's no use saying, well, I'll look at the balls that are current. I'll look at the balls or whenever, you know, there's a couple in the backyard. I'll deal with those. You have to go to a certain place. Was that access easy? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, By the way, it turns out that, uh, here, visual aids. Okay. Um, It turns out that uh, every baseball that is pre-2015 has, um, let me see if I can get that close enough to the camera, it has Bud Selig's signature on it. Uh So by definition, if it's got Bud Selig's signature, it is pre-2015 because ah. the commissioners changed right. in the offseason of 2014-2015. There you go. It's kind of like money and the treasurer, uh, the U.S. treasurer. When the, tre- like when that, the yeah. treasurer changes, the signature on your money changes. So, so you, you, we are right. dealing with a super sleuth. A little single, L- simple that. indicator like that. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So you yeah. you, you data and anal- after afterwards it's harder actually. All right. So because the transition happened during 2015. So you want to make sure you don't get 2015 balls, which do save Manfred. And so for those, I actually did go to people specifically, you know, uh, 2016, 2017. Uh, A lot of parties that actually I have to keep anonymous for various reasons. Um, And since then, it's been a little bit easier to get my hands on uh, baseballs. I, I prefer to have ones that have actually been game used to some extent, you know, or either okay. used in, in batting practice or foul balls or whatever, because um, you get a more random sample. Gotcha. Uh, you know, as opposed to like if you get a box of baseballs, as I've discovered, you take them apart and they all have the same ID number on the inside. So it could be that the difference might be related to that exact person at that exact time. Not that it is something that's systematic. Okay. Um, that yeah. makes sense. But that makes so, sense. So what so did you find? So eBay, I guess, is the way you end up going. And then you ask the person, when did you catch these baseballs? And there happen to be some people where they'll say, oh, yeah, I got them in, you know, August and September of last year. Great. Yeah. Okay. I'll take them. <laughs> you know? so that's the way to do it. I mean, we, we talked about the major league investigation, the independent commissioned investigation or whichever one you want to call it. Um, they didn't find, but you did. But what did you find in, that was specific? And how does that correlate to the physics, to the home run increase? Because that home run increase tailed off in the 2018 season. So we are looking at a specific time, time band here. So what did you find? What was it that, that you went, aha, smoking gun? Well, this I this does start with the Home Run Committee's findings, and right. it's basically that um, they found the only thing that was clearly different was the ball, and in particular, they found that the drag on the baseball, the aerodynamic drag, was less on the balls in 2016 and 2017 than before 2015, and. So hence, it's got to be the ball. That much they knew. You know, it couldn't be uh, coaching. It couldn't be weather. It couldn't be, you know, uh, launch angle. It had to be the ball. Right. Uh, What I found, and in the way that science always always works, I almost didn't even measure this. It was the last measurement I did, and it was a last-minute aha, was I ended up looking at the thickness of the red laces. 
So like the actual, you know, how, how yes. right. and uh, it turns out that for the newer baseballs, the laces themselves are actually thicker by 9%. And that's a big enough difference where it is a statistically significant difference. So what, what does thicker um, laces mean? Uh, I mean, apart well, from the fact thick, they're and, thicker. <laughs> well, it's interesting because a lot of people, when they hear thicker laces, they think higher seams. Right, they think which seam height. Not the case. Right, and of course, of course yeah. if you had higher seams, I mean, we, we do it a lot. Be we, less. It, it, it'd be more drag. It'd be more drag, know. and you get more right. r- more movement, and so that, that you know you you'd have an increased Magnus effect, as we've yes, discussed yes. on this show here many times. But uh, so so it's really uh, interesting that you found this thicker. Uh, these thicker seams, these thicker laces. No, no. Thicker laces. laces. Thicker laces, not thicker seams. I'm sorry. The seam is the space in between. The thicker laces, what did that do to the ball? Does a thicker lace mean a tighter seam? What what exactly does it do? What what ends up happening is, I mean, I guess, first of all, to make sure that the, the seams are related to the size of the leather cover. Right. So if you think about it, it's that it's the amount of leather that's getting squeezed under the laces. That's what gives you the height of the seams. Right. It's the leather. It's not the laces. Um, as far as getting that difference, it turns out that um, the lace, because the laces are cotton, um, we've all had this happen. You know, you spill coffee on your shirt, you go into the bathroom and you go and scrub it out. You get a divot in your shirt. Yeah, it's like a little. It's a yeah, right. Yeah, right. So what what that demonstrates basically is that wet cotton, if you deform it and let it air dry, it stays deformed. So in the process of making the baseballs, the, the cotton laces get wet. They're put under tension uh-huh. from the uh, you know the stitches themselves. They're then actually put under additional pressure to make the ball more spherical, and then they let them air dry. Well, thinner laces are gonna stretch more than thicker laces. And what you end up with is that seam is the weak point. So you literally get almost a deformity along the seam. And so it bulges at the seams for the thinner laces. For the thicker ones, you get a little bulging, not so much. And I actually did a follow-up study where I looked at another sample and I found that every single pre-2015 baseball I looked at was bulging at the seams, all of them. And in some cases by by significant amount, actually. Wow. So So, if I go back to the World Series in 2017, so the Astros and the Dodgers, both sets of pitches, both ballpens were saying, balls are juiced. I won't do the accent. Balls are juiced. I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll say it in British. It sounds far more ridiculous, right? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I uh, know with various Brits that I know that was a lot better than what I usually hear, just so you know. You've just patted me on the head, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a compliment. Yes, All right, it was, thank it you. Was. All right, thank you. I'll take it as such. But they were both saying, There's, these balls are different. They found that they were slicker, that... Yeah, they, this, the slicker thing I don't understand, but yeah. But they said there's something different. They, mm-hmm. Because if, yeah. if, you give, if, you, if you blindfold a pitcher, a major league pitcher, and just say, ball. Because they, they did an experiment, and I think it was the Dodgers. Or, it's, hey, it's one or the other, the Astros or the Dodgers. Six balls. And he said, postseason, regular season. And he got them all right. 
the difference. Yep. Right. The three of three of each. And they will know. Yeah. They they just because that that's the tool they use day in and day out. They have an intimate knowledge of what ones what. Mm-hmm. The the interesting thing is, okay, what we have here, this is a pre-2015 ball. This is a post-2015 ball. Uh-huh. I actually used these balls, at, and this is just like I randomly picked them out of my out of the samples that I have. Uh, I gave um, a presentation last summer where I brought these, and you know everybody who I talked to afterwards, I had them feel the balls. People who had never picked up a baseball in their life could tell the difference. Wow, hundred percent. Wow, they told me correctly which ones had the thicker seams. That's how obvious it is. So, so it doesn't just take pictures. All it really takes is having any kind of tactile any, any, right. ability. And it, 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 so it's a, it's a haptic experience. If you, if you touch it, you can feel the difference. Oh, yeah. so, so now, this is what I want to know, because you are, you're an official scorer, and you've been, you know, which means you're a, you're a purist fan. Um, Rawlings says that, hey, man, we, we just do what we do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we've we changed nothing. Is, is that really the case? I mean, because it seems to me that something's got to be different. So, you know, but, but I understand why they, yeah. why they would resist in saying that anything's different because anything you change in baseball, baseball is such a game of statistics and such a game of tradition. You are going to anger fans because fans who are keeping a close eye on things, they want to know what those variables are because they're going to factor that into their recordings. So what do you think that it's more like them towing their own party line or is it, or, or, or is there something that they're, they're, they could be truly ignorant of? Uh, I would say yes and no. Okay. Um, I would say that, first of all, I would be very surprised if anybody intentionally went out and got laces that are 9% thicker. Okay. It was very likely just a contract negotiation. This was the, um, this was the bid that came in the best. And it, you know, however many levels down, and it just didn't occur to anybody, I mean, to to either to check or to take seriously that the laces were that much thicker. In, in addition to the pitchers, what you have to realize is all of these balls are laced by hand. So there's a couple hundred people down in Costa Rica who are making baseballs every day, every week, you know, and, and they produce like 200 baseballs a day, or excuse me, a week each. Yeah. And, um... I guarantee they had to have known there was a difference in lace thickness. Yeah. Um, that being said, I would be very surprised if Rawlings anticipated that this was somehow going to change how the, the ball traveled and essentially how the game evolved. Um, it, it may also explain to some extent the 2018 change because they could have had, and I need to look at some more 2018 balls to take a look, but um, they may have just had supply turnover. And the next batch, they're, they're still thicker as far as I can tell, but they may not be as thicker uh-huh. as the 2016-2017 set. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, I, can, I, can I go back just to, to the physics of it a little bit more? And I know we're, we're crunched for time. Smaller balls, tighter Laces. Not necessarily smaller, right. more spherical. More spherical. Does that affect the deformation of shape once they're hit? Do they then return to their spherical, true spherical shape sooner? And is that going to be the reason maybe, like I know because I'm a physicist, they fly further? 
That's something that I considered, and I I have a feeling that the if if it is an effect, I don't think it's the predominant effect. Um, partly because when the MLB Home Run Committee did their research, they put all these balls through a wind tunnel, even ones that hadn't been impacted, and they still found a difference even without impact. So if impact is having an effect, it's an additional effect, but the effect exists regardless of whether the ball is hit. Wow. Thank you. That's yeah. great. Um, well, you really did get into this, man. You really, sure. th- you oh, really, yeah, yeah um, you got into this. This is great. All right, we got to take a break. We're right? going to take a break. Um, are we going to have the doctor remain? Yeah. We are. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, excellent. I have a head full of more questions. Right. More from Dr. Meredith Wills when we come back. The mystery solver of the big... I sound, I sound like, like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It's like a Scooby-Doo mystery. I'm not belittling your work, doctor. It's just this mystery has plagued people's minds and no one's really produced a smoking gun until now. Yeah. And I think we have exactly the right person and there's more evidence, I believe, to back this up. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to get really into this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.
Um, this is our little baseball mystery um, that isn't so little. It's rather large, big, and uh, the code breaker. Yes. The, the, the person that broke the Enigma code. We have the chief detective, the chief inspector. Yeah, we have a super sleuth, Dr. Meredith Wills, uh, an astrophysicist, second, but a baseball devotee first. And we've got into laces being thicker, the consequences thereof, but there's other evidence to back up that the laces are, not just you saying it and then just saying, well, that's, that's it now. I've said it. That's enough. Rich Hill, pitcher, major league variety of. Um, what did he say about the balls when he was pitching them? Well, he's, um, he's actually been, I guess, until some of this stuff came out, uh, very, very vocal about the fact that the ball was different. And he postulated that the seams were higher. Specifically, he even brought up that the laces were thicker and went to MLB and said, please, will you check to see if the ball is different? Because the ball really feels different. Uh, MLB came back and, like Rawlings said, the ball hasn't changed. Um, I mean, even to the MLB Home Run Committee, Rawlings said the ball hadn't changed. So, um, you know, it's more, I guess Rich Hill was right, is what it comes down to. It just required that somebody go in and check for real. But there was actual medical evidence with something called pitcher blister? Oh, yeah. Um, pitcher, uh, Rich Hill, uh, Aaron Sanchez is another one, uh, Marcus Stroman this last year. Uh, where uh, Aaron Sanchez with the Blue Jays was actually the really big one because he had like the lowest ERA in baseball. He's a great young pitcher. And he lost about a half a season to blisters that got so bad that I believe he tore a tendon in his finger in the end and was out for the rest of the season. It was wow. pretty bad. Uh, if you want to see some pretty disgusting pictures, you can look up some stuff online and it is just, disturbing how bad thing because they kept trying to cut things away in hopes that it would somehow but um i mean the way to, to look at it seeing as i have demo is when you have a i'm not a pitcher but for a four seam fastball mm -hmm. so i can get that right four seam fastball right. you hold the um the your finger up against the laces yeah like right that and so if you're letting go depending on how you do the release, uh, effectively, and this is something that bears looking into with equipment that I don't have, I have a feeling it's almost more of like a sandpaper effect than if the laces are thinner. And so, you know, it's not that people won't get, won't get blisters at all, but, uh, and again, back to Ben Lindbergh, did a great article where he looked and the, I don't want to, I want to say it's like a factor of five or a factor of eight. There was this massive spike in 2016 of um, pitcher blisters just going up. And it's just interesting that there's a correlation between the laces being thicker, the pitcher blisters going up, and the home run surge. You it's, know, it's it funny. Be very strange to think that they're completely unrelated. I, I have to follow your train of thought here. Um, but I, I go back to a show we did a couple of years ago with the great Ron Darling, pitcher with the Mets. Oh, yes. And he had a similar thing on one of his fingers, and he showed us a scar. Do you oh, remember God, that? Oh, yes, it's still there. And he called it a All vampire ball. Because yeah. he couldn't help it. It would rip yeah. on the seams and get blood on the ball. 
and that's hence the term vampire ball. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you're because one of the rules is you're not actually allowed to wear any kind of bandage or anything. So when you get a blister, you end up on the disabled. Ugh. So it's actually a very big deal, even for a minor blister. Yeah. Um, you know, you see guys pulled and a lot of times you can tell because suddenly someone's looking at their hand and the guy goes and sometimes it's an actual blister. Sometimes it's that there's one that seems to be coming on, but they it's a starter. They want him to make his next start, and so they're going to be cautious about it. But, uh, but yeah, because when you lose, you'll lose a guy to the 10-day disabled list easily. All right, so <laughs> we've, had, we've cast you in the role of super detective, right? Let's turn this way the other, let's turn this the other way. Baseball, as Chuck continually tells me, needs to be better, more, give me more, let me have more homers, let me have more this, let me have more that. I'm only giving the people what they want, man. No, you want, you're being selfish, it's what you want. <laughs> All right, laces seem to have had a positive effect. Yes, any pitcher will disagree. I was going to say, it depends on what you consider positive. Positive on home runs, negative on pitchers. Right, right. so, um, eh, pitchers, home runs, yes. Oh, shallow am I. <laughs> Is there anything else that could be done? Because baseball looks like it could do with a little bit of an uplift. And have, have Major League Baseball and Rawlings inadvertently stumbled upon something that could be a positive? I, you know what? I, I baseball, should be, uh, home runs are interesting to people who are not rabid baseball fans. Right. I would look um, at myself. Yes. You're, you're absolutely like, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the, the, t this is to, to, to bastardize a Bull Durham quote. Um, it's about strikeouts, but it's the same idea. Home runs are boring. Besides that, they're fascists, throw more ground balls. It's more democratic. Okay. You know, right. uh, the home run, there's there's nothing involved. There's there's no defense involved. Right. It's just it's, the pitcher and the hitter, and the fielders it, could go home. Exactly. Um, However, is, is I mean, that, but it's, it, a, it's it, a visual. But, but you got to remember, though. Like, let's look at a no hitter. That's the same thing. I mean, everybody else can kind of go. But no hitters happen so rarely. That's and true. Now we've got multiple home runs that, every single game. Right. Yay. Um, <laughs> Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron. You know who who for for years and years and years was. The home run king. That's right. Um, said the most exciting play in baseball is a triple. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because how often does that happen? Right, and it's hard too. Right, it's like, very but, difficult. Yeah. You know, when Bartolo Colon can hit a home run, anybody can hit a home run. So now, what do you think about this? Because here's my here's my thoughts on it. I think that people love home runs until there's a really great pitching duel. When there's a really great pitching duel, everybody changes the way they feel about the game. But as soon as somebody hits a home run or as soon as there's a score, forget the home run. All right. Just say you have an inning where, you know, just through a series of moves, you know, you do a sacrifice and boom. And now you bring a guy home and now you leave the inning and you scored a score. Once that happens, I think people are just like, now I just want to see scoring. I just want to see home runs. It's like, I think that, that that's kind of the way for some reason that that's how baseball 
baseball has become in the minds of the average fan. Somebody like you who's a purist, I think you're looking at every aspect of the game. But I kind of feel like, you know, if you're just a regular person, you either want to see like this incredible pitching display or you want to see dingers, you know, or just a lot of yeah. hitting. Because, uh, you know, baseball, I think you're right. What is boring is home runs. What's not boring is hits. Lots of, like, you know what I mean? You want to see a lot of offense. Yeah. You want to see hits. There, you don't necessarily there, want to see home yeah. runs. There, there is, uh, I have two, two words for you. And this is, this is relevant because this just happened the last few days. Two words. Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the Rockies, uh, who is, happens to also be very, very good offensively. But the man is a defensive genius at third base. If you've ever watched him play third base, mm -hmm. he makes the kind of outs where you go, did you just see that? That seemed impossible. Uh, I think those kind of plays also tend to get appreciated even by people who are not purists. Mm -hmm. So really, or, or, or the, the, the running catches where they make these insane dives, you know, going into foul territory. Did he just do that? So really impressive defense, I think, also gets people. Uh, where... It, it, it runs into problems, and ironically, this is something that, you know, people who work in the sabermetrics or analytics are, uh, is when the game is boring mm -hmm. because the outs are just being made easily. Now, in a way, that's actually a better played game. You know, so something like a shift, the reason they do a shift is because the statistics for getting those outs goes up. Right, yeah. Um, on the other hand, it does actually like you say, kind of make it boring. <laughs> but then the people win, then the team wins. And, you know, actually, I believe the best way for a team to increase their revenue is to go on a winning streak. So, you know, boring baseball that wins might actually work out in the end, you know? So who knows? Am I getting the feeling that as a purist, the ball is sacred and no playing, no tempering, no messing with the laces let's keep it as it is um and then we respect the talent of the third baseman we respect someone like keith Hernandez on first base for doing the incredible thing to do and maybe even changing the game the way opponents played uh, and getting into and, and appreciating it more rather than me as a, a newbie to the game and being super impressed by someone being able to hit the ball several hundred yards but looking and learning to look at the intricacy, the detail, the the beauty. I'm I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but the, for for the what I can imagine is the beauty is in the numbers, not in the um, home run. The beauty is in the numbers. The beauty is also in the athleticism. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's that's uh, maybe maybe that's the way to look at it. Fielding requires athleticism in a way that pitching and hitting does not. Cool. And we all appreciate, regardless of the sport, it's basketball, it's football, it's soccer, it's, you know, truly wonderful athletic plays yeah. are always a joy to watch. Yeah, and the acrobatics in baseball is in uh, fielding. It's That's where you see the acrobatics oh, yeah. in baseball and no place else. Hey, let me ask you this, back to your study, because it just dawned on me. So you find these, okay, first of all, the response to your findings was a little... <laughs> was almost laughable. It's like, 
Oh yeah, we didn't think of that. That that was it. That was I mean seriously. That that was not, that's all they have to say. I mean like, you know, I don't I don't get that. How do you how does somebody find something so significant and then the response is, "Oh yeah, you know, well we didn't we didn't really look at it like that." You know, so what I'd like everybody, to Everybody like you said, everybody cut either cuts the cuts ball, the ball in half open or yep. the other the other way to do it is if they decide to take the cover off, they take a razor and slice, slice through the, the strings. That's right. <laughs> never the deconstruction. So now are they willing to, or does this have to happen? I mean, your your findings are really detailed. Uh, you know, I looked at the way you overlapped all the little boxes where you show everything yep. from the deconstruction of the ball and the twine inside and the core and everything, and then you show the laces, and that it's like so uh, demonstrably different, you know, between the two balls. Are they going to try to replicate what you did, or is that necessary? I would say validation is always a good idea. Um, my understanding last time I spoke to Dr. Alan Nathan was they were taking a different tack on uh, what might have changed the aerodynamics of the ball. Uh, in their case, they think that it may be that the core is off center a little. Yeah, well, he told uh, us about that. I think it might that. be that the, the the leather is smoother. He told us and about those that too. To be the two that they're fixing, that they're they're really focusing on, as opposed to that the ball might be rounder. Um, that seems to be uh, as being discounted for whatever reason. What have Major League Baseball said to you, if anything? Uh I had one discussion with uh, Dr. Nathan uh, about a week and a half after my study came out. Uh, we discussed the nature of what thread was basically, um, not much about the findings themselves. They asked for my data, which I did give them because it is science. And of course your data should be transparent. Right. And I haven't heard a thing since. Did Major League Baseball's head office have a direct reply. I know you said you spoke to Dr. Alan Nathan and he was commissioned I, I, by them. I did spoke, I, I emailed the, the day before the article came out. Mm -hmm. I did email Major League Baseball for a comment. Um, I mentioned to them that I had already received a comment from Dr. Nathan and they said, great, that counts as our comment. Oh. And that was it. Okay. Uh, All right. So so they, they have been contacted about this and I did tell them what my results were. Um, so they were, they are aware of them. So is there any place else to go with this from your end? Is there anything else that you think you can look further into this? Because I would love to see you actually just come up with like definitive conclusions and just be like, eat this! No, I'm joking. Because <laughs> we'd keep coming, we'd keep bringing you back yeah, on. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll keep bringing you back on. We'll keep bringing just like, you back on. Right. There, there is, there's, there's two things. First of all, I, I will admit I'm curious to see, um, more for the, the the pitcher blister issue than for the home runs. Mm -hmm. um, don't forget, this happened in 2016 and 2017, yeah. but none of the results came out till 2018. Right. So any home run drop off is coincidental. However, in 2019, they know that these results exist. So I want to get my hands on some 2019 balls and look at the lace thickness to see if in fact there may have been a change back to thinner laces. Interesting. Um, and I mean, and if that's the case, I it, it seems to me that it would have been done, uh, you know, with some sort of forethought 
to it as opposed to just the you know here we're going for the best uh, the best bid for our contract. Interesting. Um, another one that I'm a little curious about, and uh, I have a couple former major league pitchers who brought it up. Uh, I'm not sure it shows up well on these, but I have to wonder if the laces themselves, or excuse me, the seams themselves may not be slightly wider. Um, and that, oh. that actually, it, it has to do specifically with the way, um, this was a pitcher who was telling me about um, throwing a curveball, and, um, and his hands are about the same size as mine. So this is a newer one. And apparently when he throw, used to throw a curveball, his fingers wouldn't touch the laces at all on either side. And with the newer balls, he says that his fingers are touching the laces, which makes the release slightly different because he's getting a little friction that he didn't used to. Um, so that would be, again, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a, that there is, like I said, any kind of, you know, pre-planning. There's, there's, there's no good reason why thicker laces would be anticipated to cause more home runs. There would be no reason why wider seams would be anticipated to do anything either. But, um, you know, it is easy enough to go in and measure that sort of thing. I just haven't had a chance All right. to do it. So, Doctor and, Derek. and a wider seam would also give you effectively a larger area against which to get that blister. And then Interesting. you can incorporate the physics. Love uh, it. Dr. Meredith Wills, the power of an inquiring mind. Yes, we love it. Uh, no wonder you're an astrophysicist. That mind has been applied to a number of different things and long may be applied to baseball because I think baseball might well be a better place for it. Thank baseball you. Baseball so needs astrophysicists. Yeah. Actually, the world yes. needs astrophysicists. This <laughs> is true. Yeah, the whole world needs astrophysicists. Problem solvers. Uh, Doctor, a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so, so much. much. Yeah, the time's thank been fabulous. You. And thank you for opening the minds of not just Sean and myself. Uh, Sean? Yes. Yeah. Chuck and I, Sean's brother. I'll be Sean for you. Oh, darling. Yes. And our listeners in particular. Thank you once again. Um, we're going to take a break. Yes. We are. Um, Dr. Meredith Wills, really just, as I said, the power of an inquiring mind. When we come back, the first female Major League Baseball coach Yes, Justin Seagull will be our guest uh, from one fabulous part of baseball to another. Uh, stick around, we'll be back very, very shortly. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll, to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Playing With Science. And now our pleasure to speak to a groundbreaking coach, Justine Seagal the first woman to coach professionally in Major League Baseball. We are so honored. Justine, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure's ours. It's certainly um, a pleasure. Uh, growing up, you were drawn to baseball rather than softball. What was the reason for that? 
I played baseball with my brother and all of my friends, and that just was the sport that made sense to me. I was a big Cleveland Indians fan, so I wanted to, you know, play the same sport that my heroes were playing, and I just kept playing. And when I was told I should quit because I was a girl, I was 13, and I just decided I would keep playing forever. Who told you to quit? Uh, my new coach, he said I, I didn't belong there, but I didn't quit, so he had to keep playing me anyway. Who lasted longer? You or the coach? Pardon me? Who lasted longer at that team, you or the coach? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say in the world of baseball, I lasted longer. There you go. There you go. Note to self for the coach. Do mm. not ever do that to a young lady. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so that, do you, do, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know whether or not you feel uh, kind of the, um, the gaze of the public and all of the, you know, there seems to be a great deal of, um, I don't know. I don't know what you would call it. Pressure? Would you call it pressure? Kind of like, you know, it's it's tough to be the first anything. And, you know, of course, that makes you a great role model and it means that you're groundbreaking. But personally, does it put any pressure on you when, when people tend Because I'm sure for you, you're like, I love baseball. I'm just doing what I do. I'm just doing what I love. So how do you handle that? Sure. Um, this year, I'm not with a team, but in the past, you know, you always you always know that people are waiting for you to make a mistake, or at least it feels like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I have had a lot of support in recent years. Um, I've had fans look at me like I have three heads because they're not comprehending why I'm in uniform. <laughs> uh, but I've also had, you know, fans, you know, with their own signs cheering me on. So uh, the players have been great. Um, you know, you're really just part of a team. It is different. Um, I'm a woman. I'm proud to be a woman. I don't pretend uh, to, you know, just be one of the guys. I'm a woman who coaches baseball, but the guys, you know, they couldn't be better. And, you know, if I can make them a better player, that's all they care about. Wow. See, my kind of coach, Chuck. Yeah. You can make the players better. That's it. You've got, you, yeah. You've yeah. Got, in any sport, that's where, that's what I want to hear. That's where I want to go. But Justine, to to be a woman in such, uh, I won't even say such a male-dominated environment, it is totally male-dominated. How did you go about leveling the playing field or make, turning it to your advantage as a coach? Well, I started um, learning to coach when I was 16. That's when I decided to make it my goal. <laughs> and I would have to say I just didn't give up. So every time... I was told I couldn't do it. I would just find another way or another program that would accept me. Uh, I got a PhD in sports psychology, um, figuring I could use education as a tool that I have that other coaches don't have. And, and that has served me very well. Yeah. Yeah. That's gotta be. So, so how much of that and, can you give us maybe an example of how you bring in the sports psychology? You know, we've had several sports psychologists on this show, and it seems to be an extremely important part of uh, player performance. So how, how do you bring that into your coaching? Sure. Um, so I have not, I, I've been coaching and using it to be the best coach I can. So when you understand how people learn or understand um, the best way to communicate uh, to reach the players, then then you're a better coach. 
Yeah. So um, I would say that the sports psychology and all the information I know, it helps me translate knowledge for players. Excellent. Uh, whether they're confused on what's going on or whether or not um, I can help them and they don't even know I'm helping them right? because of the language I'm using or where I'm throwing the ball during batting practice. You know, you kind of, it, it's all encompassing. If I was just doing mental performance for a team, then I would work on concentration and visualization and, and those type of things. But in my case, it's, it's all of who I am and it's how I coach. Players. Wow. Wow, that's, uh, you know, we speak to a lot of coaches and what you just said there is really cool. And the way that you're using it is extremely impressive that it's about making you a better communicator. And and so that's, I mean, like the easier it is for me to understand you, the easier it is for me to carry out your instructions, uh, the, the better off I'm going to be. That's fantastic. Yes, and then you can, you know, throw in different things like constraints on practices, you know, different, once you know that there's different ways to learn, you can also shape your practices so you can reach more people in a shorter period of time. You can really hit their sweet spots. It's interesting. We we interviewed Ned Coletti, the former GM at the Dodgers, and we discussed uh, development of foveal vision and, and concentration and, and visualizing, as you've just described. And he was saying how he wanted his coaches to be more like educators. Yeah, and you you have preempted that by going directly into that environment, and and I have to credit you for seeing something ahead of the curve. Back in my sort of sporting environment, there was a saying that said, "The better the players you played with, the better player you became." Did you, through your experience, because you've worked with a number of major league teams, find that the experience of working with pros? just drove your coaching skills upwards very quickly? Well, I've worked mostly with minor league players, independent players, and some uh, major leaguers or former major leaguers. Um, And for me, your question is player to player, but as a coach, when you've coached with someone that's been coaching for 50 years, I mean, you can't help but elevate and try to soak in everything they know. Mm. And I think when I worked for Team Israel during the World Baseball Classic Qualifier, they determined there was like 130 years of experience on that coaching staff. Oh. You know, so you can't, all you want to do is keep your eyes and ears open and learn and, and do whatever you can to be better. So, Justine, before we let you go, we need to speak about uh, what you're doing now, which is Director of Sports Partnerships uh, at the Center for the Study of Sport in Society, which is an amazing title at Northeastern University. Plus, you have the Baseball for All Foundation that you are the founder and director of, which is promoting gender equality throughout baseball. So please allow us an insight into both of those roles that you have. Uh, Sure. I actually moved on from Sport and Society, uh, but it's an amazing organization that um, provides opportunities to address social justice issues through sports, whether that's poverty, uh, whether that's uh, sexual assault, all of those topics can be addressed through sport. Um, But I've moved on and I work uh, now full-time running Baseball for All, which is a nonprofit I founded uh, to provide opportunities for girls to play, coach, and lead in baseball. Um, Like I was sharing my story, I was told I should quit baseball. Uh, Amazingly, here in 2019, girls are still being told they should uh, play, not play baseball, but play softball. So 
we're telling them they can do whatever they want, not live in a box and believe in themselves. Wow. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, great uh, stuff. And fly that flag as high as you can. And I'm, I'm stunned that in 2019 we're still hearing that song sung. It's getting better, and our national girls tournament is growing by about 100 girls every year. We'll have about 400 girls from around the country playing baseball. We run events um, around the country. We do clinics, tournaments, um, do talks to schools, and so on. So we're really growing, and, you know, I, I just happen to think baseball is the greatest game and that everyone should have a chance to play. Uh, that's fantastic, and I hope that your vision actually comes to fruition because it'd be wonderful to see everybody get a chance to play. And uh, and just thanks for everything that you're doing. Yeah, um, if any of our listeners wish to reach out, is there a, a website? Is there something they can can explore to learn more? Yeah, for sure. Go to baseballforall.com, and, and you'll see all you need to see, all these beautiful girls playing baseball. And you can reach me through the website as well baseballforall.com simple as that uh justin thank you so much for your time thank you for sharing your story and thank you for turning a deaf ear to what i would say was a disgraceful piece of coaching and uh, congratulations on being a groundbreaker in baseball as far as women coaching is concerned and uh, carry on the good causes thank you so much you're welcome Chuck, two amazing women in the world of baseball. Absolutely. That are leading. We have Dr. Meredith Wills, who wouldn't take no for an answer. There's no smoking gum. It's not the baseball. And she said, well, I've got another theory. How about this one? And Absolutely. then just Justine there, the first women to, woman rather, to coach professionally in Major League Baseball and who hasn't stopped there and rested on her own laurels, but is prepared to give and promote the opportunity for other young women to come through and follow in her footsteps. I think it's amazing. I do too. We have to do more shows where we celebrate and herald women and their accomplishments in sports. I think it's awesome. I agree. Um, and on that note, we will say farewell and we will go off and research just that. So I have always been Gary O'Reilly. And I have sometimes been Chuck Nice. Parent of the year, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Playing With Science, and we look forward to your company very, very soon. At Capella University. You'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.